episode 181, Membership-Based Podiatry, The Direct Care Way. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're here Dr. T. Wynn's perspective. You're joining award-winning podcast host and best-selling author, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as we go behind the curtain and talk to doctors and experts about their specialty, marketing, and home life balance. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I took a little bit of a break. I moved away from Germany. I don't know if you've ever had to liquidate everything you own to move. That was tough, but my wife is a trooper and was able to find a way to get rid of everything. It was hard to say goodbye to some of the people, but you do it. You got to do what's best for your family and for your income and for your mental health. So it was a good move. And since then, just setting up a new life and trying to find a house, trying to find a job. So now I'm working kind of a two-job situation, a normal nine-to-five chiropractic thing. And then I'm building up a membership-based travel chiropractic. So like I'll go to people's houses and their office or wherever to adjust them and do muscle work and all that type of stuff. Start from scratch is a slow process. I'll tell you that. And that's also one of the reasons why we have Dr. T. Wynn on the program. She transitioned from your typical podiatry, surgery-based clinic into a cash pain, membership-style, direct care model. And that's what we're going to run through. Why she did it, how she did it, how she set her fees. She started a podcast. Why did she do that? And she's just very passionate and super exciting to hear other people doing it, not just in chiropractic and physical therapy, but that it's people are tired of being on insurance. They're tired of the rug around, the burnout, and all of those things. So we'll cover it all. I got exciting news. The Needleless Acupuncture book, you know, I'll talk about that every episode probably, but over 1,000 books have been sold. Yes, it's on Amazon and people buy it and I'm super excited about it. Still not a lot of reviews. I don't know. It's like, how do you get somebody to review sometimes? It's please review the show. Please review the book. Please review my clinical practice. Uh, it's tough. I did hear a trick the other day. Uh, it's an old trick, but it's, uh, it's good. You could have two variations of something for someone to uh, read over and say, yes, I like the first one. Let me just change a couple things here and then they can post it. Because some people, they just they would like to do it. They just can't write good. They're scared. But if you can write it for them, they'll approve it, copy, paste it over. And I think a nice thing about that is you can highlight different parts of your practice, whatever you're looking for. It was painless. Hours were convenient. Sure, the fee might have been higher than normal, but the value was so high. Oh, he does this new style, this new technique, etc. Change up the color scheme a little bit on the show and the logo a little bit. Just kind of make them a little more fresh. My clinic's like definitely got to revamp. I did it all while I was in Germany before I left. And I was just like, look, it's just, it's got all of the story brand elements that you want, but it wasn't really like visually pleasing. So I went on Fiverr, found some people that do Elementor Pro with WordPress and paid them some money. And I actually had two different people. So the main site and then the scoliosis page, I had two people do those. And based on the results, I had a couple other little pages that most people frequent and had them change that up, made the footer better and the header better. And that was really money well spent. Uh, if you take a look at drjustintroskler.com, it looks a whole lot better. Again, if you're into rehab fitness, there's 11 episodes that cover courses, styles, mindset, anything you can imagine. 11 different episodes. You can go to doctorsperspective.net slash rehab to download those. So let's get on with it. All the show notes and the transcript can be found at adoptorsrespective.net slash 181. Thanks for tuning in. 
live from Louisiana and California. Today, we have a second-time guest. We've had a couple of repeats because you know what? She was episode 28, and that is a long time ago because now it's 181. So that's almost like four years, and there's been a lot of changes in both of our lives, but we're going to focus on her. So please welcome Dr. T. Nguyen. Justin, I'm so excited to be here. We both have kids. We both have changed our practice model, and we're both here. Wow, look at that. (laughs) It's amazing, like four years for me, three countries and like a three-year-old now. For you, if I'm not mistaken, this is going to be uh, your first, second uh, clinic, a completely different model that I didn't even know podiatrists could do. Spoiler alert, memberships. And I can't wait to dive deep into that. But um, I like to take us back to a quick recap of the show before and then sort of how you ended up where you are now. How's that sound? That sounds great. So I re-listened to the episode. You were super poked about the the practice that you had and you were doing not trying to have amputations. That was your focus. It seemed like preventative diabetes. Very happy with with the people that were there. But, you know, things happen over a year or two or three or whatever. So what happened there and made you turn into your own practice? And then from what I'm not mistaken, you got out of insurance and you're like a cash practice now. Yeah. So I, my husband, according to my husband says, I've been reinventing myself like every six months. So the last time we spoke, I was happy. I joined a group. I had left Michigan, came to California. We both took a job here in separate offices in Santa Cruz and a year and a half in, or a little bit more, I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I let my employers know I want to continue working. I'm just pregnant. No big deal. But then things started to shift. The environment shifted to, I I wouldn't say negative, but it just made me reposition where I wanted to see my future. In 2018 of January, I made the the decision that in order to have the freedom that I wanted to be a mom or to do whatever else in my practice, that I would have to go into a private practice solo. I would have to run my own business because – In my mind, I'm thinking, who is going to accommodate my schedule the way I need it? I have no idea what it's like to be a mother. I don't know what's going to be demanded of me, my body, my mind. So who's better to make that decision than me? So I quickly had to decide how to open a solo practice. And I did that in 2018. I saw my first patient on my own that August. Would they not have been flexible of say like I'm gonna just work half days or full days three days a week or they really wanted somebody that was going to be there nonstop, 40 hours a week so some of that's a little bit of a blur because I think I was just so annoyed at the whole situation because what had happened was I had surgeries scheduled and then all of a sudden one day I showed up to work and my surgery schedule was cleared nobody had told me they were canceled that a surgery scheduler would not even talk to me she just said, I'm just doing what I'm told to do, which was to clear your schedule. So I had oh. I had pulled one of my bosses aside and I said, can you explain to me why only in January, but I'm due in May, am I being stopped to do surgery? And it was kind of like a very indirect conversation about how I became a liability to do surgery. So it was just a lot of back and forth. And at the time, it would, it just wasn't really worth talking on more about. I said, you know what? He's 
got no interest in in making me a better person in the practice. They just want me to do what mm-hmm. I, what they're going to tell me to do. And that's just the reality of being an associate. You're just there to do somebody else's job, basically. And mm-hmm. so I came to return on investment. Yeah. And, and it's there was no growth for me. There was no freedom. There was no way that I could really grow in this position. So that's kind of how it turned around. So I tried not to leave bitter, although I was for a little bit because I had really invested myself in this practice and trying to make it work. But in the end, it didn't. But it was a good move for me because having gone into solo practice, I really learned the value of being a business owner and how much freedom I do get running my own business by myself, even though it's hard. But having a daughter, it's like, who else is going to manage your time better? Than yourself. There's a lot of hats to wear too. I mean, from marketing to trying to find the referrals from the medical doctors that I'm sure you've built up, but there's so much going on. Were you still able to do the fancy surgeries and everything that you trained for? Yeah. So fun story. How I was trained in residency, that just laid the foundation of what's to come. But what I actually do now, minimally invasive surgery in the office, was that was an additional skill I learned during practice. So version one of me in 2018, I did exactly what everybody else was doing. I got contracted with all of the insurances, the private insurance, the government insurances, the state insurance, thinking that that's what everyone's doing. In the end of 2019, I was financially sinking faster than I knew how to get out. So I saw a consultant because I had to pay for overhead, a biller an EMR system that had billing software. I had to pay for the manual labor for someone to evaluate my um, AR and see who didn't pay and follow up on that. So that in itself was just an, an enormous amount of energy suck that costed a lot. Mm-hmm. So the end of 2019, I was like, what the heck is happening? I had not envisioned this to be happening. So I got professional help. And by 20, January of 2020, I started to learn minimally invasive surgery in my practice, how to do it in the office. So I didn't have to rely on the middle people and on facilities and staff who may or may not show up. In my community right now, we have a hard time retaining anesthesia services. So without anesthesia, it was really hard to do surgery at the facility. So I was like, not only like I had to deal with this billing problem. I had to deal with other people. <laughs> like, I just want to do the work and my patient is there. So me, patient, why, why is this difficult to do? Yeah. Nobody really wants their foot chopped up with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with general anesthetic. <laughs> so, that, so that was version two of me, mm-hmm. was, was incorporating office-based surgery. So I was able to do everything. I still have credentialing at hospitals and facilities. And so if I had to do bigger surgery that required more um, staff services, then that that door was open. Okay, that's good. And then the pandemic, the pandemic hit, which very interestingly, though, 2020 was my best financial year. I don't know why. It just was maybe because of the new skill, but it didn't hurt me as bad as I thought it would. Wouldn't you say minimally invasive tends to be more profitable because you don't have all of the extra overhead? Yeah. I'm not saying it's like a PRP injection where like, you know, these guys get 300 bucks or um, an SI yeah. joint block, you know, this 
they just squirt that out all day long. It's like 300 bucks, 300 bucks, 300 bucks. But like minimally invasive, at least it's still like you can do it in-house. You're not having to pay all these other people in the hospital and like you said, all these other staff. Yeah. So MIS is beautiful because I can just do it right then and there and everyone's happy. I get paid. The patient is fixed. They don't have to be hospitalized. The bill is not exorbitant. It's really nice. But I was still tethered to insurance at the time. So I was still billing insurance for that service. And then it just got really painful. And I said, you know what? No one else in town is doing what I'm doing. So why do I, why am I competing insurance with insurance when I really could compete on a cash-based practice, minimally invasive surgery, and no one else is even doing it? So that was kind of the way I was looking at it. I mean, everybody has, usually has high deductibles and everything. So is it kind of one of those things where, I don't know what the fees are. Let's just say it's a $600 surgery. It's $600, whether I use my insurance or if your rate's around the same amount as, as cash, I would pay it anyway. It just doesn't go to my deductible. Is that kind of how it turned out? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of my old cases. The reason people pay my price is because no one else is doing it. That's where I get my leverage. So regardless okay. of their insurance or not, I mean, people's insurance is deductible, $5,000, $10,000. It's kind of ridiculous. You have to pay that first mm-hmm. in order for your benefits to kick in. That's wild. But I charge like $5,000 for a bunion or it's $2,000 for a toe. You know, those rates change with time. Depends on the circumstances and the complexity, but that's kind of my base rate. Okay. And that's pretty normal throughout? I don't know what other people charge. I just know what I want to charge. Okay. I know what I want to make per hour per year. And that's how I make the calculation. I don't feel that I can compete with other people with pricing because I don't want to be the Walmart of medicine. I don't want to be in the dollar store. So I know I give really excellent care. So I'm very confident in how I price things. It doesn't bother me one way or another because, you know, again, no one else is doing it the way I'm doing within an 80-mile radius. Oh, wow. So I can call the shots, essentially. Yeah, so that's the sure. benefit of a niche practice. How come nobody else is doing this? That seems unusual because I, I would think if it's good money and it's a little bit of training, I don't know, it could have been a lot of training, but regardless, it would seem like it'd be like a little piece that other people would want to put in their pie. Yeah, it's just, it takes personal investment. So if one is lucky to have learned this in residency, then yeah, you have the skill to do it. I didn't learn it oh. in residency. So I had to get, I had to seek out professional people to teach me. Hold on one second. No worries. <laughs> Of course, my husband had to be on call tonight, and that's the benefit of having my own schedule. I can kind of <laughs> do what I need to do. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, so going back to training, I didn't have that training. I didn't learn this in residency. I didn't learn this in fellowship. I had to learn this when I was already in practice, and it took me a year to kind of figure out how to do the technical part. Oh, wow. Because it, take, because it takes a year to see the follow-up, to see if there's recurrence, if there's other things that needs to be modified, what was my own success rate, because there is a huge learning curve. So I took the time, because I had the time, I took the time to train with other people who were doing it. And that is another investment in education. So that's probably why people aren't doing it yet. But they will. Okay. Well, then I definitely wanted it to come off as uh, offensive because sometimes we learn a new technique, but it's it's not a weekend. It just takes course. a little bit of time. But but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's not like a weekend or like a you three weekend course. A, where you're like, oh, that's a really you don't tough just one. Buy a PRP machine and then someone buys you lunch and then you use it. That's not what this is. <laughs> okay, this is like a real deal. Like it, this goes against. Wow. No wonder people don't want to do it. That's a big investment in time and, and resources and everything. 
I think also the reason why people aren't doing it is because they're so used to the modern day way of doing surgery, which involves screws, plates, and fixation, which is industry funded. And so in order to get that type of training, the industry pays for the doctors to have that experience with their equipment. Whereas Mm. minimally invasive surgery, there's no real equipment funded industry. So we have to pay out of pocket for that knowledge. Follow the money, huh? Yeah, it's really funny. So once once I, okay, so that was version two of me in 2020. (laughs) And now we're in version three in 2022, where I am majority cash now. And by July, which is my birthday, I will be 100% cash and in a different office. So those are the changes coming up ahead. So the second office is, are you going to put somebody in the first one or you just need to abandon office one and get rid of it and start? Yeah, I'm just going to like, like a chameleon, like I'm just going to change. I'm going <laughs> to moving on to a place okay. that's closer to my home. So let me ask you this. I saw the fees. They're not, um, like you said, it's not uh, dollar store prices for sure. But at the same time, you're going to get a quality of patient. And so has your clientele, have you had to market differently to go from insurance based or Medicare based to people who have the, I wouldn't, I don't know if you call it discretionary income because I don't really have feet problems yet, so I don't know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, it might become like a major priority. I've got calluses, I've got diabetes, so these is part of my budget now because I have a problem. And so you just have to come up with the money um, yeah. to take care of yourself, otherwise you lose your foot. I have people with low income all the way to very high income see me, so it's not really the dollar amount that's the concern; it's the priority of the person and how they want to spend their dollar. So that's why I'm very transparent about my prices so people know in advance what the cost of the service is and can budget for that. And I have Mm -hmm. no place to judge how they spend their money. So Mm -hmm. it's just there for people. If they want my service, they can find me. And if they can't, then that's okay. The problem with the insurance-based medicine is that people don't have that freedom or opportunity to shop around for services. It's not transparent. It's not like you can go to one doctor and say, what's the fee going to be? What's my responsibility going to be? And then you go to the next office and ask the same question and you can sit there and compare. You can, it's just not easy. It's not like going to a restaurant and you're picking one or the other. And they never give you the codes. They don't give you the prices. They don't, they don't really even want to. They're going to give you the runaround. Like, oh, it depends on what insurance you have. Oh, it depends on this, whatever. And I found that to be so frustrating and so unethical to receive a surprise bill after the fact. And there was no freedom to choose. You really did not get that opportunity to pick what was in your budget. This was interesting, the callus removal thing and even like the the diabetes thing. There's a fee per month with the commitment. Does that actually include a visit or is it the, the membership fee is the privilege, the concierge part to actually access me on a easier scale? Like, how does that play out? So version me, version three, I'm evolving in mm-hmm. how I'm designing this membership model. I have not met a podiatrist who have created the membership model that would work for me. So I'm kind of just free balling it, if you will. I mm-hmm. created a membership where it's a 12-month commitment and they just pay up front. And these are just the visits. So they can have a visit per month. And it can include very basic things. If It's whatever I can cover within 30 minutes. So if it's nail trimming, callus trimming, a mild wound debridement. Oh, that's nice. It's all inclusive. Mm -hmm. I try not to like pick a penny here and there. It's just like. Okay, you're not nickel and diamond. It's the security that they can rely on me. They can access me should they have 
Should they have to go to the ER, for example? I'm trying to prevent those admissions. And just contact me before that even happens. So a lot of the things that I can do outpatient, I'm trying to educate patients in that with a model. Man, that's wild. That's so cool. So a couple of things, are you finding people are signing up and and doing it? Like, are you happy with the numbers there? Or do you have like a goal of you want 500 people? Could you even see 500 people in yeah, a month? Like, what's kind of the goal? That's a really good question. So I'm divided between the membership model and the um, fee-for-service for surgery. So I have a fair amount of memberships. I have two different memberships. I have one is just palliative foot care because insurance doesn't pay for that anyway. So it's they see me for that. And then I have the wound care membership model for people who are, have more chronic conditions or amputation and are at risk for additional wounds. Those are the two models that I, that I currently have. People are interested, but they it, it takes a bit of, they have to know how I'm different from other people. So these are well-established patients who who knew what I had to offer and was willing to buy into that membership. So that has worked really well. Okay. Because I'm doing memberships as well. And as you build, you have to get new patients and, mm-hmm. and set it up. And um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I was trying one thing, but I'm like, I'm curious about trying a different way, just a different pricing range or how many visits. And I was talking to my wife because she's really good about like, she's the one that kind of started me, you know, you remember when we were in China and we'd cut our hair and then afterwards they're like, you want to be a VIP and you pay this lot of money and you get this much off. But they did it right after this part. It's just like it was all set up. And so just trying to chat with her and some of her her business minded friends to find like what would be the most beneficial because you want to offer your time and you want to make it where they um, get to see the value in it and the benefit. But like you said, or I said, whoever, you can't handle 500 people a month and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you have to set it up to where like you're comfortable with the price and the workload. If this thing explodes over the next year and a half, and if you don't, I don't really don't want to hire more people. Like that's a good problem to have. I I personally would love to have an associate or a partner within the next five years. I'm still kind of exploring the model for my particular community. So I really like the membership model because it makes them, it gives them peace of mind, and people will pay for peace of mind and convenience. My surgery prices for. Uh, my surgery prices, it's also all inclusive. So it's not like I do the surgery and you have to continue to pay. I tell them if I have to revise, if I have to do little things, you're covered for six months. Just letting them know that upfront that you're actually paying for six months worth of service, they can perceive the value in that. And it's an mm-hmm. easier sell than to say, well, it costs this much you know to do the surgery and then you'll still have to pay out of pocket thereafter which i find kind of like it didn't really fit my style what i was going for in germany we had socialized medicine and well you know pay 40 45 percent taxes on your salary so let's not act like it's free (laughs) but i got a prescription to get like my carotids done and my heart ultrasound and all this kind of stuff because i had a family history of some heart problems and i was like you know what i'm about to hit 40 i want to find out and unfortunately you get a prescription to get these services and they start making calls and they're like this was um december early december they're like yeah we can get you in uh, february late february maybe march i was like oh wow that's a really long time to have to wait and then through the grapevine i heard of a guy who could do it for you for like four or five hundred euros cash and he can get me in in like in a week and a half and so i was like man ah geez I, i'm already paying for it but i'm not gonna even be in the country anymore but i really want to get this done because if i go to america we both know it's going to be a way more than 500 euros <laughs> to uh to get any of these tests done yeah. if they'd even do it for you i was like all right here's my money just take See, it do it there you go you will pay for that convenience and that's where our cash practice really plays a pivotal role because 
their insurance-based model, all the doctors are tired. They want to push it out. They may not necessarily get to see you today. I saw a patient yesterday. He complained of peeing a lot. And I was like, well, maybe it's a UTI. I don't know. Go to the ER. Or excuse me, go to the go to your primary care doctor. And he goes, I can't get in to see that doctor for two weeks or so, which is not that bad. But when you have a burning UTI, that two weeks is a very long time. One hour. Yeah, that's urgent care. <laughs> not ER, but urgent care. At least y'all, at least we have those around here. Yeah. And because my, my scope is limited, I'm foot ankles. So I was like, well, I guess the next best thing is the ER, which I obviously wanted to prevent. But I'm not his primary doctor. And I don't have the the utilities to help with the diagnosis, the lab work and all that. So I was like, I guess that's your best bet. But see, if his primary care doctor was available, then that would have been an easy resolution. You wouldn't have to go to the ER. And that's the point of having access to care. And a lot of the direct care doctors, the DPC doctors, um, direct primary care doctors have low membership fees. And so maybe they're paying, they're having patients pay $100 a month for the year for 12 months. And they have a patient panel of three, 400 people. It just really depends on what they want to make. Now patients have quicker access to their to the doctors. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with my membership is that I knew people who had chronic foot problems. They're going to need my services long term. And so I needed to find a way to make that work. And I imagine for what you do, chiropractic, I see my chiropractor for a long time. You probably have patients have to see you for a long time as well. So I just think the membership model just makes sense like just pay up front and then you're good for the year whatever happens exactly as a podiatrist are you allowed to regulate blood pressure medicines and things because you deal with diabetes or you kind of have to stay away from that and refer back to the pcp i do what's in my scope within my scope so if i'm treating um, infection in the foot i prescribe antibiotics i don't manage um, blood pressure i don't manage their diabetes any of that, that's medical management. Okay. So I try not to cross those lines because it might be confusing, number one. Number two, I don't have the experience for that. Yeah, I didn't know how far, how deep it goes. Hey, you know, you said something direct. Primary care, DPC. Mm, I was thinking of some, maybe of something else. I know when we word our membership, like contracts, I don't know if you've, you've I'm sure you have contracts of some sort. You can't, you can't call it a discount plan. You can't call it an insurance plan. Mm-hmm. There's certain legal terms. And I know there's a couple of web pages. Maybe I'll link them to the show notes page today where they have access to that because it's for like a dentist. You know, they, they, a couple of dentist podcasts that I listen to, they do a lot of membership things. And they talk about this. They want you to know like, hey, when you write it out, you can't call it this because you'll get in trouble. But it's very common in certain professions to have like, this concierge thing and this is how they word it. And it's in a lot of statues. So you do it correctly. Yeah. So I, I actually had a lawyer who's well-versed in direct primary care. So she knows what's happening on the legal standpoint. And in California, I don't know exactly what's happening in California, but the verbiage is it has to be very clear that this is not a type of insurance. Right. It actually has to say that this is not insurance. This is not a discount plan. This is just whatever it is. And then you have your terms. Very good. If I'm not mistaken, you have a, a podcast. What's going on? I just started a podcast. Yeah. I feel kind of silly talking about it on the one hand because all of the world does direct care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's either a cash or, you know, cash practice or socialized medicine, you know. Um, but in the U.S., there's definitely a move towards direct care. So the podcast name is The Direct Care Way. And it's really geared towards podiatrists and pirate practice who want to just exit the insurance 
model because I was burned out and it was costing me a lot of money to run an insurance-based practice. And you didn't even do it for very long. Let's just be honest. I was just like, like you got burned out quick. <laughs> so fast. <laughs> I got busy really fast thinking I was doing a service, but I was not doing a service if I couldn't make a profit. Mm-hmm. I had to let go of staff. I had to let go of patients because I said, there's just no way I'm going to accept $18 for my time. I just can't do it. I had three staff members. To- How did that feel? Did that like almost break you? What did I go to school for and all this, everything for 18 bucks? It made me feel very exploited. I was so willing to help and the system has no issues in making you work. And then people make you feel guilty about that. Like, oh, you shouldn't be asking for money. You should be happy that you're helping, that you have the privilege to help people. And I'm like, no, who are you? <laughs> like, Absolutely not. Would you like to pay my bills? Would you like to look at the debt I took out to invest in myself to know what I know? Would you like to help me with that? When you can make more money as a Costco manager, there's a problem. <laughs> Target, you know what I mean? Target is like $16, $18 an hour and you get discounts. I mean, there's so many things I would have been able to make money off of and insurance payment was not one of them. <laughs> yeah, the reality. Oh. I saw you were on Dr. Franklin's podcast of legends. How did yeah. that go? I didn't get to hear it, but I saw it. I was on it too. Can imagine that? Ha ha. Yeah. No, no, I wasn't on that one. Yeah. I was on his other one. But anyway, how did it go? How'd you feel? I liked his, his, he's got a good show. He's so good. I love talking about podiatry. I think there needs to be more people within podiatry to speak up about how fun it is. And he's certainly doing that. I'm trying to do that in the direct care space. So I spoke a lot on his podcast about direct care in detail. And of course, okay. he's looking at the U.S. like, well, you guys got it all wrong, of course. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. But there's there's parts of the world where they're looking into privatized health insurance. And I'm trying to discourage that because you lose a lot of autonomy as a doctor when you let someone else manage those bills. Mm-hmm. You Definitely keep in touch with him. There's a Dave James from the UK. And then um, if you go to a doctorsperspective.net slash podiatry, they're on there. There's three or four guys that are in the circuit in the UK and Australia, and they do lots of like talking and coaching and seminars and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's one route that you're investigating. Yeah. But they might be a wealth of knowledge, especially if you end up niching down on this and, and get a name for yourself with that. Like people will be like, tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. I want this. And that's why it feels so funny talking about it because people like chiropractors, physical therapy, acupuncture have all been doing this for cash. For the longest time, and it's been pretty solid. It's a well-oiled machine. But we got out of it. We've been doing insurance like you. I was getting paid. There was one insurance company. You get an exam. Based on their copay is how much exam you get. So at the max, you would get $94. And that's all you would get the rest of the year. After that, it was their $10 copay. I'm supposed to treat you, crack your back, do (laughs) some exercises for 10 bucks. Please don't come back too often. And you carry and you carry the malpractice insurance. Just something not going right. Yeah. You cut. And, and they, the they were like, you should be happy. Oh no. And was, they they paid you quarterly. So once a quarter, depending on how many new patients of their style that you got, you got a nice check. Uh-uh. And then it was a ten or fifteen or five dollar copay. And I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we? What is this? And then any of the other ones, it's either a flat fee. No matter how many services you do, you get a flat fee. Or it was. You do up to you can do at least three services to reach that flat fee, and if you can somehow get four or five services, now you're actually finally breaking, you know, that ceiling, and you're making some good money. You know, I want to talk about that because this is what I've discovered. If you're an insurance-based practice, 
you're offering insurance-based care, which mm-hmm. means you have to have volume to make money, which means you're, you're not going to offer innovative treatments if the insurance doesn't pay for it because you come with a judgment that patients won't pay for it. So automatically, you've narrowed your scope of offering because you'd rather spend your time wisely, which is no fault of your own, but to get paid for that time you spent with the patient. And that's just, we, we get, we have a good heart. We are good doctors, but we get tied up in the system to making it work for us. But at the end of the day, when you go gambling, who always wins? The house always wins. So I didn't recognize this until I, I exited insurance-based practice and I was like, why aren't we offering other modalities that can actually help patients before we offer surgery? I love doing surgery. I can do it all day long. But the way I've been trained, we skip the whole pocket of opportunity to help patients not have surgery. And that's because those things don't get paid yep. by insurance. You know, a lot of chiropractors and physical therapists were like, how do we get the muscle to relax or, you know, there's some scar tissue or whatever. And so, you know, we've got all these little tools and all these fun things that we can do that don't cost that much. But there's a machine called a shockwave. I'm not mistaken. They're twenty to thirty five thousand dollars. I've got one. So, OK, uh, so I don't know. You probably don't use it for musculoskeletal. Maybe you do. Mm-hmm. But I guess people probably charge 50 bucks for that in the chiropractic realm for a, a few minute session. But that has to be cash. And so even at a thousand dollar payment a month, that's a lot of visits to meet that payment. And you're still having to overcome like, all right, so I got this copay and then my deductible. Yeah. And, and oh, it's another 50 on top of that. I feel, do we really need it? No, I got a NASCAR. <laughs> I, I got to start selling you packages of six and 10 up front. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to use it. And then yeah. it, there's so much to involve. And you become this massive salesperson for a technique that they really need. But, yeah. you know, that's a big price tag to get one of those machines. Do you like it? You use it for muscular stuff? Yeah, so I have the chocolate machine. I do sell it as a package. I like it as an alternative. I don't think I don't think there's any one thing I offer that is the end all. Not steroid mm. injection, not PRP, not surgery. So shockwave therapy therapy is just another tool for another type of patient who's like, is there something else besides surgery? And that is the thing. And I found that it it helped probably seventy to eighty percent of people I offer it to. And wow, so, that's pretty big. so I. So that's how I sell it. I say this is an alternative way to help your soft tissue problem that is non-steroidal and it's not surgical. And if you want to pay for it, it's there for you. And if you don't, I don't try to push it. I'm not a car salesman. I have the tool and you're welcome to use it. And that's all there is to it. Very nice. This is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got you got some stuff up your sleeve. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, I'm going to go with my code laser. I use that a good bit for yeah. uh, for different things. I like it. You know, I could probably, aff- I wouldn't say I can afford, but I would I would like to upgrade to the more like $15,000 one because you can do a lot more with it and it's a lot faster. But the one I have works well and it just takes a little bit more time than, but I got these little tips where you can kind of make it focus like acupuncture almost and you can force fo- focus the beam so it penetrates deeper into, and be more concentrated. So, you know, I'm happy with it. It would just be nice to be a little bit faster with it. But again... You've got yeah. another big old computer-sized piece of machine that you're trying to drive around with, and this one I have is more portable. So I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and you had asked earlier, do I have to market different? When I was in the insurance base to the direct care base, you do have to market different because the mentality of people who you marketed to originally, they found you because you were either referred in network or on the insurance plan. That's how they found you, and maybe they looked you up online on Google or something. But as soon as they change insurance or you don't contract with their insurance, they're going to let you go. They're not as attached to the doctor 
as doctors are attached to the patient. So that's mm-hmm. something that I had to overcome for a long time. And now that I market how I normally market, you know, this is the solution for the things that you need. Also, I don't bill insurance. There's going to be a pocket of people who don't really care. And those are the people that weren't really marketed to previously. And so there is mm-hmm. a whole window of opportunity for people to find you. You just have to really put yourself out there. Are you doing good with Instagram? I know... Her Instagram is really good. Her her handles will be on the show notes page. But she really has good stuff. The before and afters, the surgeries, that's what kind of drew me in from the very beginning. And you're still doing it, it looks like. Does that help at all getting clients? Yeah, Instagram is, um, it's kind of funny. And, you know, it's age dependent. It's generation dependent. So it's like 20s to 30s, maybe 40s are on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And they're usually friends who refer themselves or they refer their family member which has been really nice. It's nice to connect with people I used to know from high school and they drive all the way in town to see me. So it does have a little bit of some weight, but it's really meant to be educational so that they can say, I got this information from an actual doctor and it wasn't mm-hmm. like a google.com search. And if they have questions, I have like free 15 minute consultations. So it's not like I'm out to get you or I'm out to sell a thing that you don't need. I'm trying to be very resourceful and connect mm-hmm. with other doctors that I might possibly refer to. So I like it for the social connection and the education. Well, Dr. T, what are some of the ways people can get in, uh, in contact with you? The best way to contact me is on my Instagram, Dr. T Podiatry. And, and you can find the links and how to get in contact with my office or myself directly through the DMs. And I really hope this was interesting because I love talking about podiatry and I love talking about direct care and private practice. So I hope you got something from this too. <laughs> I, I'm going to create like a house call slash direct care type of PDF like I've done for all the other series that I've done because now I have enough episodes where if you're really interested in this stuff, boom, read them all. I don't read them all. Listen to them all and, and, and about the pricing, about the mentality shifts, because it's not just about money, even though we kind of focus on that. It's all the mental part behind it that you're yeah. you're good, you're worth it. There's value, how to present it so that people understand. Yeah, you are paying a premium price. I'm not I'm not hiding the fact that you're paying more than you could down the street, but this is the reason, and you're gonna get results. And I don't know maybe if that's something you get with experience versus someone coming out of school where they're you know probably not really sure sometimes. Power, I think it's gonna be powerful for a lot of people, and uh, hopefully encourage them to take that step like you did to get out of insurance. Which, from what I've heard. Don't just drop them like hotcakes. Be strategic. <laughs> take your time. You will be trapped in there for 30, 60, 90 days. <laughs> you might start with the worst ones and then over like a year or an 18-month period, slowly start dropping all of them so like you don't just have this massive hit in your income too because you're still going to have all that same overhead for a while before you can kind of scale. Because honestly, you can scale back some of your staff and probably different things when you don't have to take insurance after a while. Yeah. And if you really want to save money, a virtual assistant can do wonders for a private practice. Do you recommend the Philippines or like just stay local? Um, they're not local. The The companies are U.S., but they outsource their staff. So I've had Hello Reach from the Philippines and I have Goline um, from Mexico. For do they answer the phones or what do they do? They do answer the phone. They do scheduling, follow-up calls, insurance verification for the one insurance I have left. Whatever needs to be done by phone, they'll do it. My personal calls, <laughs> you know, they handle what? a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're very, this very is HelloReach.com? HelloReach was one. Uh-huh. And Go Lean is the other one. Hey, you might like this. 
I'm hiring my first VA to do all of the blog and the content. Like I probably have about a hundred different things I need to put up on there that I just haven't done. And then I want to convert my top podcast episodes into something that's usable for my clinic site for SEO and everything. And so I'm in the process of hiring someone right now to do all of that for me over like a three month period, but it'll give me content for like three years. I'm like, this is totally worth it. And it's so affordable. How, where did you find this person? Was it a company? Yes. Onlinejobs.ph. Yes. I was going to say that's a really good one too. Yeah, because they only pay for the ad. It's like they don't take a cut from your salary for the for their salary. It's just you pay to post your ad. It's a monthly month, and I'm not even getting sponsored by this. Maybe they should, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's like one time fee or a monthly fee to find the person you need, and then at that point, all of the salary goes directly to them, which I like because apparently sometimes you might quote pay them 500 bucks, but they might only get like 275 of it, and I'm like that's not cool. And I have to. I have to say these virtual assistants that are out of the country, they're making a lot of money with what we're paying them because their way, their cost of living is way different from the U.S. I had spoken to my first VA from the Philippines. I had asked her, what does a nurse get paid monthly in the Philippines? And she said, I make more as a VA than I do as a nurse. Hello. So she was happy. So there's nothing unethical about outsourcing and paying less for really good care. Really good quality service. And the Philippines, they speak English as the first language. So you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about some bro- really bad broken English or something like that. <laughs> and they're really easier. They're, they're like hard work is just part of their DNA. They're just really good yeah. at pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. They have a strong, is it Catholic? I think deeply rooted in like Christianity in their culture as well. So it's, it's kind of like in the South where I'm from, there's like that underweaving of being, I don't know. Service. Kind of have that ethical, yeah, you know, they can, mm-hmm. you know, you have a little bit more of like that guilt. You got to do what the, do the right thing all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, <you> know. <laughs> They're very good at their job, yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, man. Where are we going? Where am I going with this? Where anyway, are Dr. We? G, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. Any, any uh, parting words for our people? No, of course. <laughs> if you decide to go into a direct care type of practice, it's really easy to do. There's, it's not hard. The only thing you need to get over is your, your insurance-based practice mindset. And there's my podcast can tell you more about how I pivoted from insurance-based to direct care. You mentioned Tyson Franklin, Podiatry Legends is another source. A lot of free sources out there just to kind of wet your whistle on what it's like to have a direct care practice. And you, Justin, have your own direct care practice, a traveling chiropractor, which I think is incredible. Um, and that's also another good resource, how to have a cash practice free of insurance. Yay! all right thank you so much her show will be uh doctorsperspective.net slash 181 all the show notes and the transcript will be on there as well another great interview has ended while you're on your phone click that review button write up a nice review for me five stars if you could as everyone says in the industry it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you're looking for one sheets, if you're looking for all the books that people have recommended, you can just go to a doctorsperspective.net slash guide. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts. The Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, 
picking food correctly and financial. And then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the No Needle Acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. Page has some of the products that I like. It's uh, affiliate style. So if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, Pure VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips. The Trilingual Coloring Book is now five languages, English, Spanish, Chinese, German, and French. So pick one up for your own kids, your nieces and nephews, and also for your office so these kids have something to do. Again, that all-encompassing one link is a doctorsperspective.net slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the Prolone diet, fast mimicking diet, five-day plan, let me know. As well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right. You got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. A doctor's perspective. Learn stories of success. Avoid struggles they've met. Doctors of all kinds come together to help you shine. So sit back.